swamp and the creek, but he never got there because he stole a bar of chocolate on the way, and Herbert Muskie, who owned it, trapped him and forced him to be an accomplice in his crimes. Herbert Muskie was a burglar, among other things. Ah, those other things. To hear Muskie talk, he had been everywhere and tried everything. But leave him for the moment, we'll get to Herbert Muskie before long. Colin ran through the orchard, keeping an eye peeled for old Flynn with his shotgun, and climbed the fence at the back and ploughed knee-deep through the swamp, round the rushy islands and drowned willows. He followed the rusty creek flowing out of it and slid down the waterfall to the main creek. A track started there, along the bank past the Dally Vineyard, where it turned across the swing bridge into town by the bowling green. Colin meant to go that way and be at his grandma's in ten minutes, but something made him turn up the creek instead of down. He never worked out what it was. Not his old hut up there, hidden in the gully. He'd left that behind last holidays, and it was probably full of wetters now. And not the pool, because he had no togs. Anyway, he was too scared of the dark parts of the creek to swim alone. His mother said, when it was all over, he had an evil influence, that man. He drew things to him like a magnet— and she held Colin by the arm as though Herbert Muskie might still draw him in that way. Whatever it was, Colin went up the creek instead of into town. He rock-hopped some of the way and climbed along the bank where the pools were deep. The creek was in a gorge, and the world of streets and houses and paddocks and cows was on another level, where sunshine poured down and breezes flapped clothes on the washing line. The wind never blew down here at all, and the air was still. When he heard dogs bark way off in the distance or heard trains whistle on the railway crossing, he sometimes felt there was no way up from the creek. Was it Herbert Muskie's whistling that drew him to the pool, even though he whistled for himself? Colin heard it, thin and private, before he came round the bend. Then he heard someone blowing through his lips with a rubbery sound. He saw bits of froth drifting on the green, slow water. He crept on a little way and put his head round the trunk of a tree, and he had his first sight of Herbert Muskie, standing waist-deep in the creek. He was white with soap suds. They were pasted down his arms and across his shoulders. Froth blossomed in his armpits and stood like whipped cream on top of his head. He soaped his belly and tried to reach his back. Whatever his other faults, Herbert Muskie was clean. He soaped all the creases in his fat and scraped the suds out with his fingernails. Colin lay under the ferns and watched. He saw the man's behind gleaming like an eel's belly in the water. He saw him roll and submerge and come up with his head as smooth as an egg and the black hair on his chest pasted down like slime. He squirted creek water from his mouth like a draft horse peeing and washed around his ears and dug in them, wiggling his finger. When the soap jumped from his hand, he submerged again to pick it up. He put the yellow cake between his teeth, keeping his lips curled to avoid the taste, and swam on his back to the deep part of the pool, where he rolled over like a whale. He was good in the water. He lobbed the soap onto the bank and dived deep and came up with handfuls of creek mud. Floating, he smeared them on his belly and laughed. He could float so well, Colin thought, because he was so fat. 
I'd better get out of here, he thought. He saw the man's shirt and shoes and trousers on the bank. He did not want to see him come out with nothing on. Turn your eyes the other way, his mother often said. This was one time when he'd obey. Fat blokes were often bad-tempered, probably because of all the weight they carried around, and this one didn't look as if he'd like being watched, even though he moved in the pool with no weight at all. Colin crept backwards through the grass. He looked up the little gully with the punga ferns in it and saw the roof of his hut, a sheet of iron jutting from the bank held with struts of forbitur his father had let him have. He wondered if the fat man had found it. Was there time to duck in and see? Even if he came out now, he would take five minutes getting dressed. Colin went quickly, bending low, weaving in and out of the trunks. When he reached the hut, he saw that the man had cleaned it out. Pung